The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Hello, you're listening to The Views Room, brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Jennifer Saba, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Anna Shamansky. Hey, Anna. Hello. And Rob Siren. Hello, Rob. Hey, Jen. All right, so we're just going to get right into it. This week, we're going to talk about SoftBank and its convoluted connections between two of its troubled assets, WeWork and Sprint. So we're going to start with the news that earlier this week, SoftBank was in talks with T-Mobile's CEO, John Ledger, to possibly become the new chief executive of WeWork, according to several press reports. So um, this is a really weird piece of news. Yeah, where, where to start with this? <laughs> I don't even know. It's a small, small world around <laughs> WeWork and, and SoftBank. Soft yeah, it's tiny, tiny little universe. <laughs> so the the thing that really jumps out at me is, um, so just to kind of back up a little bit, but T-Mobile is currently in talks to merge with Sprint, which is owned by SoftBank. So that merger is still waiting to get approval. Um, because it's basically clogged up in the courts, or it's going to be clogged up in the courts with a trial that's happening in December. And so it just, I was like, to me, it was like, why would um, Ledger all of a sudden, not having closed this deal, even try and consider going over to another a company as troubled as as we work yeah yeah as troubled I, as we I mean work. I mean Ledger is regarded as being just one of the best managers out there um, if you look at what he did at T-Mobile it's amazing because he took um, when he came into T-Mobile it was it was the fourth telecom uh, wireless firm in the United States it was losing tons of money um, had a really bad network everyone's just like oh this is you know, he's going to be just another one of these CEOs. No one's going to remember. Yeah. And then he ended up turning it around. He ended up getting tons of customers, uh, became profitable, and then actually getting this, um, you know, helping this deal, um, which no one expected would happen, to um, be the government to basically say, okay, let's we we will we can let this deal proceed. And so everyone's like, wow, this guy's a miracle worker, basically. Yeah, because they took a couple of different shots at at trying to merge. T-Mobile and Sprint, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Anna, go ahead. Sorry. Well, but I know I was just going to say, but I, I think this, no, no, this sometimes goes to this question of whether if you manage one industry well, a company in one industry, you can manage a company in any industry well, right? Because WeWork is a very, very different company. It's at a very, very different stage of development. And so I really question if just because somebody did something well in telecommunications, they can now jump in here. Well, I, I will say this. What, what surprised me wasn't so much the fact that they were talking to John Ledger because he, like, I, I kind of agree with Rob. I think he, and especially compared to Adam Newman, who was running WeWork. Well, <laughs> so that's it's like, not very high bar. Right. It's not a high bar. But I mean, like, let's just, you know, T-Mobile's a $70 billion company. So it's complicated. Telecoms are not easy companies. Um, WeWork, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's basically a real estate play and you're renting out office space. Yeah. So I kind of see it there. But the, the shocking thing to me is that SoftBank really needs the T-Mobile Sprint deal to close. Um, because if it doesn't, um, you have, that. well, they're going to be sitting with two potentially really troubled assets um, that they own at a time when SoftBank isn't doing so hot itself. 
Well, SoftBank's decision may be that it has bets on both sides. So they put they put a ton of capital in WeWork, both uh, SoftBank and the Vision Fund. And so they've got a very big downside if things don't work out and possibly an upside if it does. And their thinking may just be that, okay, what does Ledger do? You know, he's he's very good at um, getting publicity and inspiring people. And he's kind of crazy and, too. Let's yeah, just back he's, up yeah, and like he's got kind of... You look at a picture of him and you're like, who is this guy? He's got long hair. He's always in pink. He mm-hmm. has like a or magenta. He he's, has he's like a, a cooking, cooking show. show. <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of he's kind of like the good side of Adam Newman, but not the bad side. You know, he's not going to go out and invest in, in wave making machine companies and start up schools for kids and, you know, try to end world hunger. He's probably just going to, you know, instead he's just going to be like, hey, we've got a great office space. You want to you want to rent it? We'll rent it out to you type yeah. of thing. <laughs> So he's probably he's probably a reasonable bet. Um, my question is more: Is WeWork actually a salvageable business? I don't know that it is. Um, they've got a lot of. Uh, so basically, what they do is they they just spiff up office space and they sublet it out. Um, the problem is that you know they're on the hook for various leases, and it's also very easily model is very easily copied. Lots of other realtors are doing this, so it's hard to see you know what. Okay, so maybe adds a bit of publicity, but but is SoftBank ever going to recover the money? I don't even know if that's possible, just because it seems like a very basic business model, easy to copy. Yeah, it seems like they frankly probably should have just cut their losses. You know, it w- wouldn't have been a huge hit in the Vision Fund, but I, I think this is just perhaps an example of you know what we've talked about earlier, where when someone has made one decision right, they've been like, I invested in Alibaba. It's then the assumption that every decision is right. And that if it's not right yet, if you just throw more money at it, clearly that'll make it work. Yeah. And let, let's go back to Sprint here because there's some more bizarre connections going on. Um, so uh, the executive chairman of Sprint is this man named Marcelo Claret. He is now also at SoftBank. I believe he is one of their big executives. And he was just appointed executive chairman of WeWork not that long ago when uh, SoftBank put in, uh, you know, another fresh round of capital into WeWork to save it. So um, (laughs) you have to wonder, like, all these guys are sitting at a table talking about the Sprint T-Mobile merger and then also like, oh, by the way, why don't you come over and work for WeWork? I mean, it just seems so completely um, conflicted that I don't even know how they could be pushing this forward. When you have, you know, kind of SoftBank as this kind of, you know, pivot that all of these companies are revolving around, does it just kind of raise questions about kind of contingent liabilities? They may not be legal, but they still kind of seem present. Yeah, because Sprint is, just to go back, like they really do need this to happen, right? Because Sprint is slipped to the number four mobile carrier in the United States. It has roughly $40 billion worth of debt. Um, and their market cap is, I mean, their market value is half that amount. So it's swimming in debt. Um, and it doesn't look like at least SoftBank has been doing much with it lately because it, it did slip to number four. And I think they're really hoping that this merger goes through. And the the other thing is that going back to Leisure and his really good gamble is that um, the Department of Justice and the FCC both approved this deal, but you have a bunch of state attorneys general um, 
suing to block it, which is going to happen in December. So, and what do you think are the chances that it gets blocked? Well, I I don't know. It's it's interesting because the other thing that happened is they blew past their uh, merger agreement date, which was November first. So that means everything is now back on the table. Ledger said that. Um, that includes the price, which is it's basically we worked out it's twenty six billion dollar deal. So there's some weird negotiation going on here. Also, I'm sure between SoftBank and T-Mobile. And um, if I'm one of the states and I'm looking at all this stuff going on, I'd be like, "What's happening here?" Like, I would think that you know, that it just looks it doesn't look good. And so what what happens? So first, if this doesn't go through, if this deal falls apart, like what do you think would be the ramifications for Sprint, and what are the ramifications for SoftBank? Well, if it falls apart, my guess, because Sprint is really struggling and they haven't really been doing much with it, it'll probably struggle a little long, you know, kind of wheeze along. And then my guess is possibly SoftBank could just get out of it, but they'd still be holding $40 billion yeah. worth well, the, of the, the thing with Are responsible so- for it in some way. The thing with SoftBank and Masa, the, the leader, is just that he never plays it safe. Um, right. You know, he's he's gotten here by just taking outrageous bet after outrageous bet, whether it's you know introducing the iPhone to Japan, you know, setting up a business in Japan as, as um, a minority, which, you know, is very difficult in Japan. Um, so, he, and, you know, making these bets, like whether it's WeWork or Sprint. And, and, you know, at the time when he invented, when he invested in Sprint, everyone was like, well, the only possible thing is to merge with T-Mobile, but no one's ever going to allow that. And, you know, it's getting pretty close to actually happening. So I think you always have to bet that he's going to take the highest possible uh, outcome, you know, whether it's risky or not, but he's going to make that bet. And and I'm curious, though, because, you know, obviously he made some pretty bad bets (laughs) earlier on, (laughs) right? (laughs) And then now he's benefited, but he's benefited from things that are kind of not really things that he's done. It's also just, you know, global monetary policy, kind of glut of capital that needs to find a home. The fact that, you know, in the U.S., it seems like, you know, up until perhaps recently, maybe laws around mergers were, or regulations around mergers were a little bit softer. So I guess I'm wondering, can we take what's happened in the last 10 years and project that forward for the next 10 years? I'm not saying he'll be successful in these deals. <laughs> I'm saying he will take, he will, he will make the bets. He I'm not sure he'll, he'll be successful. Yeah, yes, right? yeah. He will think he's going to be successful. Yeah. And, 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 and like you were saying, some costs don't mean much to him. He's willing to just keep on piling into bets even after they look like they're losers. Then the question is, you know, how much can he keep piling into companies, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there there was a point where he was fueling the growth of all these Silicon Valley startups, um, just throwing so much money at them that it, it was kind of insane. And now I think that I'm, I've, we've certainly heard from certain startups that SoftBank is now considered kind of toxic in, in a lot of ways that in terms of the money and if they did kind of come along and say, here's a bunch of money, what, you know, what, do, would you take it? And it seems like right now that's not in vogue in the Valley. Which, which is the reason why he'll make these kind of bets, because he has to show success. Because, you know, there's this perception that, hey, SoftBank did some stupid stuff. It won't be able to raise another fund or, you know, it's toxic. But if he managed to somehow pull a rabbit out of the hat, then suddenly everyone will be like, oh, he's he's a genius once again. So, so he's going to keep on. I, I, I think, you know, 
he's definitely wants Ledger there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting, though, if his, you know, strategy changes at all, because, you know, part of the reason Adam Newman was allowed to be who he was was because of soft, the way that they deploy capital, right? I mean, if you just throw too much money at a company and say, basically, profits don't matter. With unfettered control. Exactly. Right. Then it's sh- shocking, shocking that they end up doing these things. And, you you know, I know he's kind of said, oh, you know, no, we're actually going to be a little bit more controlled. But I wonder, can you do that and then also do what... SoftBank proclaims to want to do. Well, they also did it with Uber, right? They, right. And, and the same situation happened in a lot of ways with uh, Travis Kalanick. And, you know, he was given unfettered control. And that basically was a complete disaster. Um, and I mean, so, to, so, to, to take the other side, though, he did it with Alibaba. You know, he, he gave them... He said, "Okay, here's here's some cash. Do what you want with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have control over this thing." And it ended up being one of the best investments ever in history. But this is, and I, I you're totally right. But I guess this is always that issue. It's you know, if if somebody has one great bet, then it's kind of this assumption that oh well, that means they're more likely to have it. If anything, it probably means they're less likely to have another <laughs> really good bet because it was probably just luck. Yeah. And and then it also fuels this idea of well, I know everything right. and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I can't be <laughs> wrong. Not it's, not, it's, not <laughs> it's the Instagram or I didn't uh-huh. sell, I didn't sell out to Yahoo right. for a right. billion dollars. So everything going forward must be correct. So Rob, maybe we could also talk a little bit about the relationship with Saudi Arabia and kind of how the Valley is changing, how it sees the relationship with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, so Saudi Arabia has been a, a huge source of capital for um, startups and companies like Uber. Um, so what they've done is they've invested directly, like Uber, it's invest, Saudi Arabia's invested directly in Uber. And they've also invested a ton of capital in the Vision Fund. And the Vision Fund basically was a conduit for investing in, in companies in the Valley. And that was useful for a while, um, but now tech firms are starting to say, yeah, we don't want money directly from Saudi Arabia. And also, you know, there's that vision fund. It's actually Saudi capital, and we're not so sure about taking that as well. And there, there's a reason for this. I mean, Jen, you, you can walk through all like the reasons why people are distrustful of Saudi Arabia. Right. So uh, a series of events. Let's, let's tick them off. So um, there was the murder of an American-based journalist um, in the Saudi uh, consulate in Turkey, uh, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, which, you know, basically the international community has said it is because of Saudi Arabia. They ordered the killing of that journalist. Um, We have the fact that Mohammed bin Salman, who is basically overseeing the kingdom, rounds up his family members and political enemies and kidnaps them and holds them hostage effectively. Um, And, you know, he's done that not only with his own family members, but uh, also allegedly with the prime minister of Lebanon. So a lot of shady, weird, awful things are happening. The intervention in the the war. Oh, right. And Yemen, Yemen, of course. And then there's there's Yemen. And um, so you have to stand back and be like, what is Masasan, you know, why is he in bed why, with these why are, people, basically? Exactly. Yeah. Why is he in bed with these people? And at some point, they're going to be looking for a return on their investment. And you're seeing that WeWork is kind of a mess. And um, Uber is, the value of Uber is down by about half since its IPO. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of big question marks hanging over that. Well, that's our show for this week. I would like to thank our guest, Rob Siren. 
And hats off to our producers, Freddie Joyner, Lauren Miller, and Thomas Lubansky. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com. And don't forget to tune in next week for another edition.